So if you have a copy of God's Word, you can go ahead and get it out to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And speaking of life change, speaking of the power of the Word of God and the presence of God, um, I just want to mention this. If, if maybe God has uh, changed your life, especially maybe over these last couple of years, uh, you've come to Christ maybe over the last couple of years, we'd just love to hear your story. And so maybe uh, you could do us a favor and just jot a few bullet points down of your story in an email to us. Uh, you can do it through the, through the website. Um, that would send you to a, there's a, an email that would come in that's just info at faithassembly.org. That would work. Uh, or you could click it on into one of our, our pastor's email addresses. But uh, we'd just love to hear your story, and maybe your story would end up encouraging somebody else along the way at some point. Um, but if God's done something uh, you know, pretty specific in your life, uh, there, is, there is power for us when we share our testimony. And so uh, anyway, just keep that in mind if you would. Ecclesiastes chapter number four. Ecclesiastes is there in the Old Testament, kind of in the middle. I know it's not a book we uh, maybe reference super often. Uh, written by King Solomon towards the end of his life. He was a very, very wise man. Um, he didn't get it all right towards the end of his life, but these verses we're gonna read from here, uh, he got these right, and you'll see a lot of this reflected in the New Testament as well. Matter of fact, Galatians chapter six uh, parallels a lot of what we'll read here in Ecclesiastes chapter four. But we're gonna start in verse number nine, Ecclesiastes four, verse nine. I've given you some extra time to find Ecclesiastes. Are you there? Say amen. If not, it'll be on the screens uh, behind me. Let's go to verse nine, Ecclesiastes chapter four. King Solomon writing, he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will be kept warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And verse 12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I'm gonna speak for just a few minutes today on the thought of a crowd or a community. A crowd or a community. Would you pray with me? We're gonna pray that we would be open to God's word and that he'll speak to his Father. In Jesus' name, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. And I thank you for the anointing on your word. We ask God that there would be a prophetic anointing on this word. And we pray, come on, pray with me. We pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to your church. And God, we, we approach this word with a yes in our heart. We approach this word ready uh, to respond, ready to receive. And we thank you, we thank you, we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. On this thought of a crowd or a community, I was remembering back to um, a certain crowd I found myself in in high school. I had a group of people that uh, uh, was spending some time with, and we had a little bit of a routine there for one little, one little season of my life uh, there in high school. We would, we would do this on Sundays. We'd go to church. All the, all the good Christians go to church on Sundays, amen. So we'd go to church, uh, and then we'd go to lunch after, and then we would go get our guns, and we'd go out in the woods and shoot our guns. And that's, that was what Sundays were there for a little while. Um, that's not my current Sunday schedule, so I, you can save all the judgment looks, all right? all right? I saw it here. 
uh, felt it at the other campuses as well. Uh, but that's not what I'm doing this afternoon. I'm going to nap instead of, of shooting guns. But back then, that's what we did. I was probably 15, 16 at the time. Uh, and we'd go and shoot guns, and we would just go out in the woods and shoot at, at whatever we could. Like target practice, we'd put stuff up and whatever. Uh, and uh, well, I don't recommend this, but that's what we did. And so one of those afternoons, we were on our way out to our place where we were going to shoot and, and aim at stuff and whatever. Um, and as we were doing, we had to jump over this creek. It had been raining a little bit, so it was a little, more, it was a little wider than normal. We had to jump over this creek to get to wherever we were going. And as I got ready to jump over that creek, I kind of slipped on one end of uh, hit in the mud. And then I, when I did, I was, I'm, a, I'm usually more fleet of foot than this, but this is the one time I actually slipped. And I, I slipped and then I, I kind of fall forward. And when I do, the barrel of the gun just goes right into the mud. And when I pulled the gun out of the mud, now the mud was inside the barrel. And so I could kind of see I didn't look all the way down in the barrel. All right, I had some gun safety, but I, I, I said, there's mud in there. There's mud inside the gun. And at that point, one of the people in my little crowd and my little surrounding right there, they said, you should just shoot it out. And then I looked around, and then the other guys that were standing there, they were like, yeah, shoot it out. That's what you should do. And the people who are laughing the most are the ones that already know the end of the story. But there's some people that are hearing this going, that sounds like a good plan. I mean, it's, stuff's coming out. It'll... So uh, I was with you. That sounds like a good plan. So I... Uh, I just aimed it in the air and I pulled the trigger. And when I did, oh, the mud got out of there, but it didn't necessarily go out. The, the entire end of the gun just exploded. It just peeled back. The steel of that barrel just peeled back like a banana peel. I mean, it just sit there. It just exploded and it's sitting there and it's smoking and it's, ex it's exploded. I'm sitting there holding it like just so freaked out in this moment, so realizing that I almost died, but also realizing that when I get home, I may die as well when my mom hears about this. Um, the shotgun that I was using that day, the only shotgun we had in our house, it was a family heirloom. My grandfather passed away, and so it was his 12-gauge shotgun that now I had pretty much ruined. And uh, So uh, uh, I realized that day, I learned something that day, besides a little bit of gun safety, that if you get mud in the barrel, shooting it out is not the plan. I know that now. Amen. But I learned something else that day. That sometimes you got to be careful about the crowd that you surround yourself with. Sometimes you got to be careful about the people that are around giving you advice in life. Sometimes we have to not just settle for whatever crowd that we're in. Sometimes we have to actually be selective about the community that we're going to choose to do life with. I've heard it said this way, that there's hardly anything that, that impacts and directs the uh, destiny of your life any more than the people with whom you choose to associate. And that's what Solomon's talking about here. He's talking about that we need to be careful about our community. We need to, we need to understand that the right pursuits are gonna take the right people in our life. The right pursuits are gonna need the right people in our life. And when you have the right people in your life, it's gonna keep you from the wrong pursuits many times. So we need to not just settle for whatever crowd we find ourselves in, but instead of that, we should be selective about our community. That's what he's talking about here. And there are benefits that come when we as the body of Christ, when we understand something, that we are called to more than just believe. Some of us stop right there. We go, well, I know I was called to believe on the Lord Jesus and I did that and so I must be doing everything fine now because that's what I was called to do. I was called to believe. You're not only called to believe, but you're also called to belong. 
This is a gift, this family of God, this thing called the church. It's a gift, but it's also something that we're called to enhance in our life. We're called to be selective about in our life and build relationship. We need each other, and the church said amen. Yes, we do. We need each other, and uh, we're called not to just uh, believe, but we're also called to belong. And when we understand that, need of belonging, there's some benefit for, that comes from that, and, and I, I think we see some of that benefit here in, in chapter four of Ecclesiastes. In verse nine, we read it, but Solomon said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. I see that when we understand our sense of belonging, there is a reward that comes from that. People who understand that they're called to belong, they're rewarded as a result. Look at how he said it, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. They're rewarded for that. Galatians chapter six says it this way in verse two, that we should carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So Paul says it this way, we should just, we should kind of carry one another's burdens. Solomon says it this way, that you should work together with one another, that as you work together, your reward will be greater. The return on your investment will be greater because you did it together. I was reading this week about uh, uh, draft horses, these, these large, strong animals that pull a cart behind them and, and move stuff. And they, and they said the average uh, draft horse would be like maybe a, a Clydesdale or something like that. An average draft horse usually can pull about 8,000 pounds of a load. 8,000 pounds. And then if you took two draft horses and put them together, then you would think, well, they should be able to pull 16,000 pounds because if they can pull 8,000 pounds a piece, they should pull 16,000 pounds together. But something amazing happens that once they put those two horses together, the first time they'll try to pull, they'll be able to pull 24,000 pounds. Even though they can only pull 8,000 pounds separately. And then they found this, that as they take those two animals and the more that they work together and the more that a trainer helps them understand one another and they, they start to sense the, the other horse's tendencies, those, those two horses now, can, their load can get all the way up to 32,000 pounds together when they only carried 8,000 pounds alone. Now they're carrying four times that amount together. Isn't that something? And that is exactly what Solomon is pointing out here. That when we do something alone, we might be some level of effective. But when we do it together, our effectiveness multiplies. When we do it together, our return multiplies. Our reward multiplies. And here's, here's really the reward that we're all wired for in life. And we, we sometimes think that it's, well, if I got more money, if I got the raise, or if I got the promotion, if I got more uh, acknowledgement at work, or if I got uh, more power at work, more people under me, uh, then I would feel you know, this better sense of, of you know, something in my life. But here's the thing, we're not really wired to, to get that sense of the meaning of life from more money or more acknowledgement or more power or, or some higher position. What we're really wired for is, is purpose. We all want to feel a sense of purpose. What, what really we're wired for is at the end of the day, at the end of the week, we just wanna feel like what we did made a difference. It mattered. And if we feel that, we'll go back and do another day. If we feel, back, we'll, we'll feel that, we'll go back and do another week. Well, if that's true, and if we're all called to ministry, which we are, we're all called to ministry. Not everybody maybe is called to this kind of application of ministry that, that I'm doing right now, but we are all called to ministry. And if we're all called to ministry and if, we will, and if we'll, we'll gain some sense of fulfillment and purpose from that 
ministry, which is what we're wired for, is that fulfillment, that, that purpose. If we'll gain that from doing ministry, then we'll gain even more of that from doing ministry together. Isn't that awesome? That's why we have teams around here. That's why we don't just send individuals to different spots in the, uh, you know, on the property on a, on a given service. Go find somebody just to minister. Go find somebody just to go. Go stand over there. Maybe somebody will be over there that you can be a help to. Like, go back. There'll be some kids back there. Just go stand, and if there's some kids, maybe you can help them. And go back there. There's some youth. Maybe you can just go. No, it, it, it's more than that. It's teams. We have ministry teams because we understand something, that when we do ministry together, there's greater reward on that. And so there's... Uh, a first impressions team. It's not just a, a, a greeter, but no, it's, it's people that are out there um, making an impact and they're doing it together because the return is greater when we do it together. There's children's ministry teams, there's youth ministry teams, and they're doing ministry together. Not only is there greater return on their ministry, but they're building relationships with one another as they're doing it. So we're benefiting those that we're ministering to, but we're also receiving community in the process. This coming Easter, um, we'll have more people on this campus that weekend. So many people that don't normally come will be here that weekend. And we wanna do everything we can. And so that'll be a great first start for some of you. Maybe, maybe some of you have never joined a ministry team before. Maybe that weekend will be a great start for that. We're even, we're even launching some new, some new ministries that weekend that we're really trying to, uh, to see happen. Uh, one of the things that we have a vision for and dream for is, is to be uh, making an impact on people before they even walk in the building. I mean, when they're pulling on the parking lot, we want people to be wowed with the hospitality and, and the warmth that they feel. And so we're, doing, we're building some lot teams for Easter weekend. And uh, people just out there in the parking lots helping people find the spot. Because sometimes if you're new to this property, it can be just a little bit confusing. People walking up being like, what lot did I? I think I parked in lot B. We're like, sorry, they're, they're numbers, not letters. I don't know. You know, it can be a little overwhelming. And so we've got a lot team. And, and matter of fact, today after this service, there's a meeting uh, in the dining hall in the cafeteria right over there on the other side of the atrium uh, for the lot team. Maybe you'd want to give 30 minutes or an hour of one of those services on Easter weekend to be a part of that team and to make an impact on, on people. Uh, like I said, uh, we're all called to ministry and there's moments of ministry that we just do and we're on our own and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there is a special uh, return and reward when ministry is done together. And that's what uh, Solomon is talking about there. I, I like this, that our assignment from God is a group project. You know that? Like our assignment, it's not individual. I, I used to like a group project. Anybody like a group project when you were in school? I used to, here's the thing, the smart people are like, no, I didn't like group projects. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you why I liked a group project, but you can figure it out. Like I kinda liked a group project when I was in school. But our assignment from God, it's really a group project. God is saying, hey, I want you guys to come together and if you'll do the labor together, if you'll reach the world together, if you'll reach your community together, if you'll do ministry together, there'll be greater return, a greater reward on that ministry. So there's reward when we understand that we belong to something. There's also a restoration that happens. People who learn to belong, they're, they're restored in that. That's what uh, is, verse 10 is talking about. It says, if either of them falls down, these two people that are doing labor together, these two people that are doing ministry together, these two people that are doing life together, if either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. This given in verse 10, really two, two more reasons why we are called to connection. 
two more reasons why we're called to community. And he says, because sometimes we need help. He says, when, when, when you're together and you fall down, there'll be somebody there to help you. So there's two, two reasons listed in verse 10. One is because sometimes we need help. And the second reason is this, is because sometimes we're supposed to be the help. Sometimes you need the help, and sometimes you're supposed to be the help. I don't know if there's any old school people hearing me today. Old school enough to remember back in the 80s, there was a commercial that used to run back in the 80s, and then there was actually a reboot of the commercial from a different company that ran maybe about five or six years ago. But in this commercial, there was a an older elderly lady that uh, in her house, maybe by herself, and she tripped on something or something, and now she's lying in the floor, and luckily she has on her little necklace thing, and it's a life call, life alert thing, and she hits her button, and, uh, and she says something that to a lot of you, is, it's been just ingrained in your brain forever until you die, you'll always, and she's laying there, and she says, help, I've fallen. Apparently some of you have seen it. <laughs> I, heard, I heard all the way from the other campuses of the, the roar come back. Yeah, and now I'm just reinforcing it. Now you're really never going to forget it. But there she is by herself in the floor uh, and knowing that if someone doesn't come help, I'm in trouble. And so I think sales for that device went up because that became so iconic. Well, here's the thing. Spiritually, that happens to us as well. I mean, physically, maybe, maybe that's not an issue for you. Uh, spiritually, it's an issue for all of us. That there is seasons of our life, and many times it's when we don't expect it. See, if we always knew when a fall was coming, sure, we could insulate ourselves with the right people. Sure, we could always, you know, kind of be extra careful, but we don't know when those moments are coming. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says it this way. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, in other words, if you think you can't fall, if you think the trip up's not coming, Paul says, well, be extra careful then that you don't fall. So basically, the times when you think, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not susceptible to that. I'm not going to be the one that falls, so I don't need help uh, you know, getting picked up. Well, here's the thing. There may come a season of your life that you don't expect, and it may knock you down. Talk to some people around here. Some people were moving along just fine when all of a sudden some season of loss hits their life or some sickness hits their life or some amount of stress hits their life or some spiritual slump that they didn't see coming or some secret sin that gets a hold of their heart and here they go without even realizing it. Now they've fallen and if they're alone, they can't get up. Church, I want you to think about this. That right now across all of our campuses, there are people that used to attend. There are people that used to live for God and they're not here today. I'm not talking like maybe they just missed a Sunday. I'm not talking about, well, it's because it was time change. I'm saying it's been a while since they've been around. It's been a while since they've even reached out to God. They've kind of set that as a part of their past. They fell down and one of the reasons why they didn't get back up is because they were doing it alone. So that's one of the benefits of this connected life is that I have somebody to pick me up even if I fall and I don't expect to. But the other benefit that verse 10 talked about was this, that someone be, be there to be a help for someone. So let's say this. 
So let's say you are stronger than, than you've ever been. Let's say you're not gonna fall. Let's say, uh, you know, you don't understand, like, I, I'm just, it's all gonna be fine. I'm not gonna fall. I'm not gonna stumble in my relation with God. I'm praying all the time. I'm living for God. I know where I'm going, and, and uh, I'm not gonna fall. Okay, let's just say that's true, even though we can't be certain, but let's, okay, let's say that's true. Then here's the thing. You should choose community then so you could help and pick somebody else up. Did you ever think about that? That maybe my call to community is as much about somebody else as it is about me. Because he mentions both people in there. He says sometimes when someone falls, they need somebody to be there to pick them up. Maybe that's why you would think about uh, connect groups around here. We, we, do, we do all kinds of things, and one of the main motivations to a lot of the ministries, to a lot of the activities, to a lot of the events, we, one of the main ingredients, one of the main motivation is connection. Because we understand something. We understand that the people that understand belonging and connection are going to be the ones that make it. They're gonna be the ones that see the greatest return on their ministry. They're gonna be the ones that grow in God. They're gonna be the ones that are reinforced. We, we understand that. And so with our, our connect groups, um, we have uh, connect groups, we have uh, grow classes. Matter of fact, at the end of this service, there's gonna be uh, tables out of both uh, all exits at our campuses as well that just give you information about our connect groups and our grow classes. Grow classes happen on the weekends uh, for the most part, but uh, uh, class settings where you can grow and, and learn different aspects of life and the word of God, uh, but also build relationship. And also our connect groups, which are, are function in a lot of different ways in order that it would, it would hit everybody. Everybody on the sound of my voice. There's, there's men's meetings and there's women's meetings and there's some that are maybe more Bible study based and more prayer based and there's some that are a little bit more activity based and uh, might be centered around dominoes or basketball or something like that. Um, there's, there's, there's different kinds of gatherings. Matter of fact, there's, there's a new one we just started a month or so back called Dinner for Eight. And it's just doing life, doing dinner together. And it's really easy to, to find a dinner for eight and just attend and build some relationship with somebody. Um, it's biblical, breaking bread together. And so all of these things happen. And I know some of us think, well, I don't really need that. And I'm not really sure if I should step out and do that. And I might feel uncomfortable if I do that. But here's the thing. Yes, it will benefit you. But maybe God would have you there to be a benefit to somebody else. So maybe it's not even about you. Maybe it's not about what you need or how, how uncomfortable you may feel. Maybe it's the best thing for our church that we are a connected church. Amen. Maybe it's the best thing for our church that we decide we're going to be people who are serious about community. Some people are, are, are more consumer-based when it comes to church. And we come and we consume and we consume and we consume. And, and we want you to be filled. We want you to be charged up when you come to church. But it's not just about that, it's also about producing. It's also about saying, you know, if we want our church to be connected, then I'm gonna lead the way and, and be a part of, of making connections. If we want our church to be friendly, then I'm gonna lead the way and I'm gonna be a friendly person. It's part of that too, is producing that. So we're rewarded when we understand this belonging, we're restored. Um, in verse 11, Solomon says this, he says, also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? I want to talk about how when we understand our sense of belonging, we're also revived. There's a, a heat that is produced when we understand our, our sense of belonging. He says uh, when, when two lie down, they can stay warm. But if one lies down alone, how? How can he stay warm? And uh, he's talking about uh, these, these areas of, of Israel and Palestine where, where he's at and 
And a lot of times at night, people would travel. Uh, these were desert climates, and so it might be uh, you know, warm at one season and cold at another, or warm during that. Matter of fact, uh, I don't know what's going on in Florida. I, I just wish Florida would make up its mind. I hope you guys are doing okay with this cold spell coming through. Uh, but don't worry, it's probably gonna be, you know, like when you came in here, it was cold, and when you leave, it'll probably be 90. Like, isn't that the way it is right now? It's like you leave for work and you're freezing, and then by the afternoon, you're like, why do I have this long sleeves on? I just wish it would seem like if it was consistent, we would know, but it's the variation, it's the change. And that's the kind of climate he's talking about, that you may be traveling during the day, but then at night it would drop and those temperatures would drop and it would be dangerous because as the temperature in the environment drops, it can start to cause the temperature on the inside to drop. Um, the average temperature, they, they just did a study Turns out the average temperature is actually a little bit less than it used to be. We've heard for years and years and years it was 98.6. Um, there was a Stanford, uh, University of Medicine at Stanford did a, a study. I don't know if they just took everybody's temperature in the whole world or how they did it. But now the average temperature is 97.9. So it's actually dropped a little bit. Well, when our, our temperature drops at a rapid rate, it's called hypothermia. Hypothermia happens when my environment is, is maybe so cold around me that it causes my body to lose heat faster than my body can produce heat. Hypothermia. There is a spiritual version of hypothermia in which our spiritual fire for God starts to distinguish, starts to extinguish and, and, and diminish. And it's exactly what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 24. He said, he's talking about the end times, which a lot of us would probably believe that's what we're living in. And he said, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Another version says the love of most will grow cold. And so if we live in that kind of culture where it's just, a, it's just cold and it's just causing uh, our spiritual fire to, uh, to be extinguished and it's causing us to be colder and colder in our heart, if the love of many is going to grow cold, then we have got to be specific. We've got to be careful about our community. In other words, we want to spend time with people that are going to keep us white hot for God. Do you realize that nothing is as contagious as passion for God? I mean, passion for God is more contagious than any virus that's floating out there. When you're around somebody that loves God, it just makes you want to love God more. When you're around somebody that's going the right direction, it just kind of makes you want to go the right direction. That's how two can stay warm together. I, I, I heard about in uh, Keith Miller's book, Passionate People. He talked about two types of people that we all have in our life. He talked about basement people and balcony people. Basement people are, are these people in our life. They're the discouragers in our lives. Uh, they may be people from our past, might be people from our, our present, but their words follow us. They go with us everywhere we go. They're negative influences in our lives. They talk us into doing things we shouldn't. They, make, uh, they help us make choices that are contradicting to the God in you. Uh, they are basement people, divert us from our hopes and our dreams. They divert us from God's will in our life. They end up bringing us down and leading us away from God. Those are basement people. And some of you are like, oh, I, that's, you just described my workplace. I work at Basement Incorporated. Like that's the, everybody I work with, that's that. And if that's the case, if, that, if that's all you work with, then here's the thing. Then you better be intentional about getting some balcony people in your life. 
You better be intentional about making some time, some carving out some time to get some balcony. You know who the balcony people in your life are? Balcony people are those that are full of love, full of passion for God. They cheer us on. They encourage us uh, to be courageous followers of Christ. They sit in the balcony of our lives and they yell out, you can do it. We believe in you. You're going to make it. You're going to do it. So the question for all of us is, what kind of people am I going to choose to surround myself with? Basement people or balcony people? I, I, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says it this way about, about basement people. He says, uh, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. That's still true. Bad company still corrupts good character. It's not about a certain age. It's not about a certain season in life. People think peer pressure is all about, well, yeah, it's when you're young, you have peer pressure. No, 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 everybody's got peers. And we can be pressured by our peers no matter how, how old you are. And so bad company still corrupts good character. Our world is a cold place that's getting colder. And we've got to decide that passion for God is important enough to me that I wanna surround myself, I wanna put myself in some environments where I'll be cheered on in my passion for God. That's how you're revived by your connections. <clears throat> Last one would be this, that those Christians that understand um, belonging and, and connection and the power thereof, uh, those people are also reinforced. They're strengthened. I love the way verse 12 says it. It says, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, Oh, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. One may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I read one study this week, talked about almost every single psychological and emotional problem in our life comes down to the, either the root or very, very close to the root is isolation, a sense of alienation, that's what they, they went through in almost every single psychological, emotional issue, and they would trace it somewhere back to this sense of isolation, alienation. In other words, I, I feel alone. So much so that a lot of the therapy to get someone healthy again is going to be spent a lot on healthy relationships in your life. And so there is a, uh, a, a, a need that we have for one another. One can be overpowered. There is a very real attack on our life and we, we know from the word of God, if I'm one and the enemy's trying to bring attack, one can be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A couple years back, I was up in this gym here at the Curry Ford campus playing some pickup basketball with a bunch of high school students and young adults. And I was there, a couple of my sons were there as well. And during one of the games, a couple kids were guarding each other. Uh, they weren't uh, necessarily uh, around that much. I didn't know them. Um, and they started to get a little heated as they were guarding one another. And the guy with the ball felt like this guy fouled him a little bit too hard. And so without any warning, he had the basketball. He just took the basketball, threw it as hard as he could right into the face. It was a really good shot. Right into the face of the other guy from about three feet away. Boom, he comes back. We're all sitting there like, well, that's bad. Uh, the guy who gets hit in the face decides that's not how this is going to end. So then they just go. They're just like on each other, full-blown blows, punches, I mean, it's, and so I was the closest one in the moment to that, and so I jumped in the middle of them, and I was trying to separate them, and as I'm in the middle of this fight trying to separate them, this verse came to mind, one can be overpowered. 
I was being overpowered in the middle of this attack. Uh, and uh, so it felt, like, it felt like an hour. I don't think it was. It was probably just a few seconds, but it felt so long. I, was, I, was much, I had a little bit of fear going on. I'm trying to separate these two. Finally, a couple people also kind of came in and helped, just felt sorry for me, and, and kind of pulled these kids away. I don't know if it was a couple other leaders that were there that night or something. Finally came in and helped. And Well, two of the people that were in the gym that night were, were two of my sons. And... Um, Strangely enough, they were not a part of the solution. They were not part of the ones that came in and helped. And so on the way home, I had a discussion with my sons. I said, hey, you remember, you remember when those kids were like the fight and they were attacking each other? You remember that? They're like, yeah, it was crazy. I said, it was. I said, you remember whenever I like, remember when I jumped in the middle and then they were like, like kind of like attacking me? And they said, yeah, I said, why, why didn't you get my back? <laughs> why, why didn't you help? And it was funny because they, they were genuine with it. They were, they were still in high school at the time. And they said, well, I mean, we thought about it, but we didn't want to get in trouble. Like, we didn't know if we would get in trouble. And it was, they just were still in that mindset of like, I don't know if I'm allowed to, to jump in on something like this. Like, I don't want to make something worse or get yelled at after the fact. Like, that was just the mindset that they were in. So I clarified something at that moment. I said, okay, well, here's the thing. Moving forward. I said, if you ever see dad under attack, I said, feel free to jump right. I said, be as violent as you want to be. Be as proactive as you can. But if you ever see me under attack, I want you to get involved. I want you to come in there with me because one can be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands, oh, that's not quickly broken. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us wonder in our life, why is it so difficult for me? Why am I so defeated? Why all the time I see other people who are able to live for God and they have a prayer life and it seems like God speaks to them and it seems like they can overcome sin and it seems like everywhere I turn, I'm just always defeated and I'm always beaten down and I'm always beaten up. I'm always under attack and I'm just saying this, could it be that part of the problem is you're trying to do this thing too isolated, too alienated? Because he says two can defend themselves, but he says a cord of, of three strands is not quickly broken. I, um, I was thinking about that cord of, of three strands, and I, I got here this, uh, this big old heavy rope. And uh, as I look closely at it, and you may not be able to see it from where you are, but this incredibly strong rope is actually just made up of just thousands and thousands of little strings. Some of them are kind of flyaways here. Now, if I were to take the time to unravel this rope, these three giant uh, cords that are braided together, if I were to unravel that and then un unravel one of those cords, and I just pulled out just one of these little strings, and I just held one of those little strings, thousands of them in here, but if I just held one of them and I just broke it, nobody would be impressed. Nobody would buy tickets to see that feat of strength. Look at me, I'm breaking strings. Like nobody would be impressed with that. But there's something about it when those thousands and thousands of little breakable strings get woven together. Oh, see, because somebody complained about a large church. Some people say, oh, I don't like a big church because you can't build relationships in a big church. No, you can't build relationships when you're not looking to build relationships. That's when it's tough to build relationships. When you're not careful about your community, that's when it's difficult. It's not difficult. 
You know what? There's some benefits of a large church. There's some benefit of doing life with thousands of people because thousands of people woven together. We can be strong and the enemy can bring whatever he wants to bring and we can say, no, no, you don't understand. I got faith assembly with me. And when I got faith assembly with me and I call them to prayer, heaven moves. When I got faith assembly with me and we worship together, God comes down. When we're together, we're strong. And this rope, this rope is, even though it's made up of little tiny strings, I, I dare say this, we could get half of us on one side, half of us on the other, start pulling on this thing, this rope ain't going anywhere. We could do a tug of war contest, Michigan Street versus Red Bug Lake Campus, and I'll tell you who's gonna win. The rope, the rope's gonna win, it's not gonna break. Because a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's dangerous to try to do this thing on your own. So be intentional. Don't settle for just your crowd. Be selective about your community. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes all over all of our campuses. Father, I thank you for your word. Would you just sit quietly in his presence for a moment because I do feel like God's moving in this room even right now. He's speaking to some of us about our our crowd, some of the people we've been listening to, some of the people we've been influenced by. And God's speaking to some of us about it. It's, it's time to be a little bit more intentional. It's time to start choosing and selecting our community with his help. Seeing that reinforcement come. Seeing that reward come seeing that restoration come in our lives, seeing that revival come in our hearts. But for some of us, under the sound of my voice right now, across all of our campuses, maybe watching on the screen somewhere, right now it's not about connecting with the community, it's about connecting with Jesus. And I, I wanna make something very, very clear. When we surrender ourselves to Christ, when we say, Jesus, you're my Lord, and I, and I choose to believe on you, What's the greatest benefit of that is that we are being rescued. We are being saved from eternal separation from God. That is, that is salvation. That our, our own sin, which we've all committed, we've all been there. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we've all sinned and deserved eternal separation from God. But because of the price that Jesus paid, we can be rescued from that. And that's salvation. But I'll tell you this, one of the very, very great and powerful benefits of salvation is belonging, is having a family to do life with, having connection with people that are going the same direction, who are loving God, growing in God. What a benefit of my surrender to Christ. So there's some today that that's the first step you need to take is surrender to Christ. Maybe you served God a long time ago, but you found yourself taking advice from the wrong people and you've fallen away from God. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Today's your day. As we get ready to pray, I wanna pray for each and every person here at either of our campuses who needs to get right with God. And if that's you, nobody's looking around, it's between you and me and God. But if you're here today and you say, I need to get right with God, I need him today. I, I know I need to make him Lord. I need to belong to him. I know that. If that's you, with nobody looking around, if that's you, would you just do me a favor? Just, just hold up your hand. I'll see it. I need to get right with God today. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else? I need to get right with God. Thank you, sir. Yeah, who else? Come on, young man. I need to get right with God. Yes. In the risers. Thank you. Hands up all over at the Red Bug Lake campus, at uh, Michigan Street campus. Come on. I need to get right with God today. Let me see your hand here in the sanctuary. Anybody else? God bless you. Why don't we do this? All over this building and at all of our campuses, would you stand to your feet right now? Our campus pastors are coming at the locations to, to take the service. But here at this campus, as you stand to your feet, here's what's gonna happen. We'll dismiss in like two minutes, like we always do. But hear me. Pastor John's getting ready to lead us in a song. And you're not alone today. There were a lot of you that lifted your hands saying, I need to get right with God. I don't want you to walk out of here alone. I want you to walk out of here allowing God to change your life. But also there are many of you that are in this room right now, maybe in the atrium, and you need someone just to come alongside and pick you up. You're just going through one of those seasons. Maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe there's been something going on at home in a relationship. Maybe there's been some stress going on at work and you've been trying to carry this thing alone. And you just need somebody to come alongside and pray and connect with you. You'll be surprised how light you'll walk out of here if you'll let somebody carry and share your burden with you. And so if you need prayer in any area of your life, or if you need to get right with God, as we begin to sing, I invite you to step out and come from every spot in this room. Come on, as we begin to sing. You lifted your hands. Say, I need to get right with God. Come on, meet me at this front. We're gonna celebrate with you. Thank God for you. You need prayer in any of your area of your life. Come on. To declare your victory. Thank you, Lord. The resurrected King. He's resurrecting me by your spirit. Come on, don't do it alone. From the ashes of Thank you, God. Thank you, God. From the risers. You need prayer today. Come on. Hallelujah. These altars are still open. Even after Pastor John concludes in prayer, you can still come and spend some time with God, have somebody link their faith along with yours, share your burden with you. Um, God bless you. Don't forget that when you go, you can hit one of those tables that give information about our growth classes, our connect groups, about being a leader of a connect group or attending a connect group. God bless you. We love you. We love you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for your presence that's here right now, God. We know that you're ministering to those that have come down to these altars, that you're ministering to those, Lord, that are reaching out to you over our broadcast right now. We believe that your presence is here and that it's real. And we thank you, Lord God, uh, that you're delivering, that you're saving, that you're turning situations around, that you're bringing answers, Lord God, that you're lifting burdens off of shoulders, Lord God, that you're causing hope to rise back in the hearts of people, that joy is being restored. We believe you for all of these things. And we're thankful, Lord, that you gave us Jesus, that you gave us your spirit, and that you also gave us each other. And I pray in the name of Jesus that as we receive this word, Lord God, for our lives, that we would continue to learn how to be the community that you called us to be, a light to this world and also a light to one another. Lord God, I thank you that you're causing us to be hope, Lord God, in the midst of a hopeless situation, that you're causing us to be light in the midst of darkness. And I thank you, Father, that you're being glorified because of it. Let us walk it out this week and you, Lord God, be lifted in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. 
God bless you, church. We love you so, so much. We hope to see you again very soon. If you're a first-time guest with us, please don't forget there is a reception in your honor at our Guest Welcome Center out these doors until your left. God bless you and see you soon.